Welcome to Breaking Banks, the number one global fintech radio show and podcast. I'm Brett King. And I'm Jason Henricks. Every week since 2013, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in financial services. From incumbents to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help create a more innovative, inclusive, and healthy financial future. I'm J.P. Nichols, and this is Breaking Banks. Welcome to Breaking Banks. I am your host of the world's number one fintech podcast, 180 countries, 10 million downloads. Now this is our 10th year and uh, we are getting close to our anniversary show to celebrate our uh, 10th anniversary. But, um, you know, there are still major moves happening in fintech. And uh, just last week, of course, we had Finnovate Spring. So I've brought on a team of distinguished fintech guests uh, to talk about that. Uh, This is a collaboration with our friends at the official Finnovate podcast. So, of course, we have Greg Palmer, the host of the uh, official Finnovate podcast. Greg, welcome back to the show. Yeah, my pleasure, Brett. Thanks so much. And also joining us uh, from all across uh, the States, Dave Anamali, who is the payments consultant, uh, or key payments consultant, chief payments consultant uh, for Right Frame Consulting, editor at large at Cornerstone Advisors, Mary Wisniewski, and uh, Theo Lau from uh, Unconventional uh, Ventures and host of the One Vision, One Vision podcast. And um, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for having us. So that was my uh, Queen impression there, if you didn't get that. That was lovely, my friend. (laughs) um, One of my favourite guitar riffs of all time is that opening lead of of One Vision. But anyway, we're we're getting off the track. Finnovate Spring. Um, Maybe, Greg, start with, um, you know, tell us a little bit about in, in terms of attendance. You know, we're now sort of coming back from the pandemic. So was that as you expected? Uh, was it um, was it better than you, you expected? And what about in terms of participation from uh, demoing companies and so forth? You know, what was the overall feel of the event? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a great show for us. We are in a new venue in San Francisco at the Marriott Marquis for the first time this year. So um, that was fun to get to try something else out. You know, in terms of attendance, I think the some of the recent uh, happenings in our industry did put a little downward pressure on some of the companies who, from, from attending, but we had a really strong group of demos. And I think one of the things that I kept hearing, which I certainly thought myself, was the, the companies that were up on our stage were demoing really cool technologies. And so I think maybe there was a little bit fewer demoing companies than we've seen in years past, but the quality of the demos, at least from what I've been able to gather, has has seemed to go up and up, which is really interesting and kind of follows what you might expect as there's this hyper competitiveness now, you know, this sort of uh, crunch on VC funding. It's maybe a little bit harder now to get some capital. And so the companies that are getting capital are having to rise to a little bit higher standard than what we've seen in previous years. So um, I think that was a really big, exciting thing for me was just the quality. And I was sitting back there uh, at a couple of sessions thinking, man, any of these guys could potentially be a contender for best of show. 
Um, I don't know how the audience was able to narrow down their votes because there were so many quality options up there. Um, and, and the other piece that I think was really fun was we've been able to try out a couple of new things in 2023. We started adding scholarships to bring in more companies focused on the ESG right. space, uh, to bring in companies that are founded by um, either people of color or, or women. And that was a really positive thing as well. Um, and that's a direct result of some of the feedback that we've gotten from previous events. We're going to continue that for Finnovate Fall, by the way. So that was a really cool one. Um, and then I think the other thing that we tried in a really subtle way this time was themed demo sessions. And that's something that people have been asking from us for a little while. Can you group them somehow into something right, that makes right. sense? And we did actually try that out this time. And I think that worked well as well. So uh, what are you grouping by AI or wealth management or what are the type of categories? This was a real challenge for us because there's so many different buckets, right, in the fintech space. And one of the things that we've always found is whenever we've tried to put companies in a box, the vast majority of them raise their hand and say, wait a minute, I don't belong in that <laughs> box. Um, and, and so what we did is we tried to group them by not necessarily where the technology is coming from, but who it serves. So we had a retail and kind of consumer banking category. We had a business uh, focus category. We had a backend and enabling technologies category. So that's more of like, you know, APIs or core banking types of and then we had one that was kind of our punt the outside of box category which was sort of anybody who didn't fit neatly into any of the others so those were the original four that we tried and i think we're going to stick with those because it allowed people to really focus you know if you're a banker focusing on the retail space you don't right, necessarily right. need to see small sense. business plays um, and so that's kind of how uh, that was our first crack at it and and it seemed to to go over well for the people who were paying close enough attention that they noticed that we'd actually done it <laughs> and um what about favorite demos from the from the crowd theo you want to start us off i have my favorite one but i think that was a no-brainer from those uh of you who have attended uh Finove spring yes greg i do agree there are lots of cool stuff at one point i thought I was sitting at Fendever, not Finnovate, because I guess it must be how you're grouping um, the startups. I didn't even notice um, at, a, at a few sessions. I'm like, wait a minute, this felt more like developer uh, stuff. But um, my favorite is Flybits. Uh, Flybits have been around um, and I think they've won Best of Show before too, right, Greg? They have. It's been a little while. It's and it's something that, you know, that gap between coming to Finnovate, they've obviously been quite busy in the time that they were away. Yeah, seems right like it. They did a uh, metaverse, Brett. And, oh, wow. and and I I told them I said of all of the talk about metaverse and of all of the visual representation I've seen um around that topic, this is by far the best. And it was amazing. They were able to show and help you visualize what it could be and what it would be. Um and it looks engaging. Surprisingly. Dave, uh, you, you also commented on Flybits. What what struck you about the demo? Going in into Finnovate, I was under the impression that Metaverse as a topic, I wasn't sure how yeah. successful it was going to be. Uh, if Mark Zuckerberg couldn't get it right, I wasn't sure how <laughs> FinTech and all other payment companies would actually fare well. But I think Flybits really hit it out of the park. You know, they showed a really well well built product. It was really impressive. Uh, you know, if I were to do a banking in Metaverse, that was a great proof of concept to show how it can be represented. So I think they really caught everybody. I'm going to make a prediction right now. I'm going to make a prediction that there's going to be a quite a few AR-based demos next year at Finnovate because of what's happening on June 5th, right? Which, 
well, it's happened on June 5th by the time this show airs, um, which is, of course, the release of um, Apple's uh, new smart glasses. Um, so that's going to be a game changer, I think, despite the fact that it, 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 I think it's inevitable we get to smart glasses and we get to metaverse. You know, the timing is a question mark, but it's not, it's, it's not that, oh, metaverse has failed, Zuckerberg didn't get there, we're, we're done. Um, it's just a matter of, of time. Mary, what, it, what, it, what was the highlights for you? Yeah, so I'll go in a little different direction. Um, I caught Greg behind the scenes and we were having a, a sidebar about um, Debbie, which demoed last fall in New York, if I'm yeah. remembering that right, Greg. Yeah, and that's um, a startup that helps, that rewards people for paying down their debt. And I just remember then people at the conference were talking about, although oh, they'll, they'll struggle to get a partner, but I was thrilled to see that um, at MSU Federal Credit Union is partnering with them um, or piloting with them. And um, they, the credit union was speaking at the conference on a, in a financial health session. So I don't know, it kind of got, kind of got excited about that. Great. So Greg, tell us about the best of show winners. Yeah. So a good group this time around, um, Flybits is one of the ones who uh, won best of show, uh, which again, I think we can all agree that was a really impressive demo. Um, the other ones were One Cosmos, uh, Nine Spokes, QuickFi, who has actually been a best of show winner before. They do uh, business lending and their team is getting really good at using the seven minutes on our Finnovate stage very productively. Um, and then Savvy AI is another uh, winner. And then the last one, Wink, deserves a little bit of extra consideration. Their CEO, Deepak Jain, uh, who actually demoed this time around, was a previous best of show winner with a different company. That company was called Switch. I believe. And it is really rare for people to come back and win best of show with multiple companies. So that's something which deserves a little bit of extra recognition there. Um, He's they were a bit doing, of an OG of, of yeah. uh, two, you know. I'm not going to lie. He actually gave us quite a scare. He didn't rehearse anything on the Monday beforehand. He didn't come in on Tuesday. On Wednesday morning before his demo, he gets up on stage and was like, no, no, I, I got this. And I'm like, we're going to trust you here. And then he comes out with the best of show winning demo. So obviously he uh, did have it well in hand all along. But it's one of those moments for us where like, we really want to try this out before there's a couple hundred people in the room. Um, but obviously all's well that ends well. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, um, Deva, what about, what are your, what's your feedback on Wink? Yeah, I really loved Wink because you, you won't believe how many times I reset passwords and all the different portals. I know, seriously, so right. Any, any company that solves this password problem in a user-friendly way wins my vote. And they did a, he did an amazing job in the seven minutes he had. And uh, he was able to present all of what he wanted to show without getting stressed out. And he paced it really well. And the solution seemed very, very well-baked, you know, in my mind. So I think Wink is definitely somebody to look out for. Great. Um, what about the overall trends in respect to directionality? Because, um, you know, if we if we go back, um, you know, th there have been some fairly clear uh, stages of development. You know, had you know everyone doing everything. You know, in the early days of fintech, you know, giving a shot at everything. Last few years, we've seen um, more um, uh, focus on bank. You know, uh, BAAS uh, um, type provisions. We've also seen more specialization in uh, fintechs. Uh, you know, going for um, you know particular segmentations and so forth. Of course, uh, we've seen some recent uh, failures in, in that space in the U.S. in particular. Um, but directionally. You know, AI had to be a big part of it, you know, um, but what, what else did you guys see 
um, as sort of clear trends for where the money is going right now? It's definitely AI everywhere. Um, and it wasn't just a demo space and people, what people talk about is also on stage as well. So I ran um, an AI track, which was fascinating. It was standing room only for a panel and uh we have oh, that is, uh, that's not surprising right that that's was because you're in it theo they're all there to oh, see you yeah no, no no and it was hey. it was end of the day too greg that was the surprising part it was the last day afternoon i had never had a standing room session um in that time it's awesome right it was the awesome. energy of a standing room session nothing can beat it as a as a facilitator yeah a but but what i like about the conversations wasn't it wasn't just the froth, right? Because the last few years, we always talk about, oh, you know, we could use AI for this, we could use AI for that. But the, that particular session was actual concrete examples that people brought in and talked about what we used for AI for in our institution in the bank. Uh, Charles Schwab was there, Fremont Bank was there. And they talk about, you know, what else they're trying. And so I, I like when institutions bring in exactly what they're doing rather than, oh, this is what we could be looking at. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the AI is not a, a, uh, a hard thing to guess that people would be interested in it. But um, what was the core focus of the AI? Was it back office stuff? Was it um, CX? Where, where did, um, you know, where, where was the action? A lot of our discussion was based on how, they can deliver extra value. So it's a lot about self-service. Um, it's a lot, last year was more back office. You know what, this is interesting. So this year is a lot of front office. It's about how we can make things easier, how we can do, um, provide consumers more choice in what they do. Um, and Deva, what do you think? Yeah, I believe, uh, you know, customer service is probably one of the most uh, easiest use cases to solve using AI. And I think even today, this morning, I was on a call with the, my health insurer and the IVR was miserable. It couldn't understand what I was saying. Maybe my sexy accent, I don't know, but <laughs> it's kind of a lot of time figuring out what I really wanted. And at some point, I had to keep mashing zeros and stars to get to talk to someone. So if, if AI can solve that problem, I think that'd be a great first step win. Uh, the subsequent I don't use- think they can solve your sexy accent problem, though, do <laughs> I mean, especially AI for that. <laughs> but having said that, I mean, look, um, you know, there is a clear trend that has emerged in, um, you know, challenges and fintechs around the world where they see that um, the need to speak to a human is a design flaw, right? And when you do have those human edge cases, again, the use of AI, it, it, you know, ma- ma- is a, a mechanism to better operational efficiency. You know, players like WeBank have used that extraordinarily well. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, um, Greg, what are your thoughts on, on this? So, uh, you know, in terms of, um, the trends that were coming out in terms of the, yeah, well, and so forth? um, I think a really interesting one that we're starting to see unfold is who the companies on stage are aiming their technology at. And obviously everybody wants to play with the kind of top 20 banks, these large banks, but they also recognize that in the U S in particular, there's this massive pool of smaller financial institutions. 
And in many cases, in most cases, those financial institutions don't have the resources to be able to dedicate, you know, a tech staffer to an integration with a fintech company. And so what these companies yeah. are having to do is create solutions which are incredibly easy to implement on the part of those smaller FIs. And we're starting to see a lot of that over the course of our, our shows where companies are saying, you know, you can integrate this without even having a tech person on your staff. We have right. put the layer in place to make it super simple. And I think this kind of speaks to where fintech needs to go. I think the larger financial institutions with this, with an incredible amount of resources obviously can build a lot of things that smaller FIs can't. Um, at the same time, these smaller FIs represent such a potentially lucrative customer segment for the fintechs who can support them. So there's a massive incentive for companies to get that right. And we saw a lot of companies, obviously the technology could still be deployed at a larger financial institution, but a lot of them are really zeroing in on how can we get into credit unions, local banks, how can we make some of these banks competitive and make sure that they stay around? So that I think was one of the really positive things that I noticed this time. We've kind of been drifting that way for the last right. you know, couple of years from my perspective, but to really see so much focus on it from stage this time around, I thought was really heartening. So you know, any credit unions or community bankers, make sure you come out to Finnovate Fall because this is a group of people who want to get in front of you. So uh, they're, they're building things for you at this stage. What What's interesting? Greg, is you used a term that I've identified as a key difference between fintechs and traditional players. You never hear fintechs talk about their core system. They talk about their tech stack, right? Yeah. And so the ability to extend your tech stack as a traditional player is a really critical strategy. If you're going to plug in AI, you're going to plug in, um, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, password improvement, identity uh, verification systems, fraud prevention, all this sort of stuff. You know, if, if it's not provided by your core systems provider, then you've got to have that agility in the tech stack, which is what the fintechs all have, right? Because they've got newer architectures. But um, so, well, yeah, in, in I think ways, that's a... Like a- uh, it's a continuation of kind of just understanding where customers are. We spend a lot of time as an industry looking at retail consumers and thinking, how can we actually make a difference and reach them on the platforms that they're on, right? I understand that people want to be you know, banked in whatever format, you know, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on a tablet, what have you. We've made a great effort to reach those customers where they are. We haven't necessarily done that as an industry with some of our banking customers. And so I think this is really potentially a really overdue step, but it does speak to the mm. fact that we need to focus on those end users. And if those end users happen to be smaller financial institutions, they need a little bit of extra support. So, um, and, and I think the increase on, and the pressure on profitability for some of these fintechs, which they're now under is really driving them to say, where is my clearest path to profit? Right. And a lot of them are obviously looking that direction. Yes, yeah, clearly. Mary, what what, what did you observe? Yeah, well, I'm tying it back now to two threads, um, Greg, to your last point. It seems like that's opening up the conversation about neobanks um, generally, like path to profitability. And also back to the comment about customer service. Um, I agree with you. There's It's like an error if someone needs to talk to a human. But I am finding, or at least I'm hearing in asides, I mean, especially in the wake of SDB, like, the banks, some banks here in the U.S. were like proactively reaching out to their their customers who, you know, had more deposits than $250,000. And um, I just think that the ability to connect with a human um, 
when there is this moment of panic is like super important. And um, something that struck me as this is separate of Finnovate, but Charlie is a new neobank in the US um, that is um, targeting over 62. And I noticed one thing it launched with was the ability to, you know, contact a human um, in the US, which I think is actually a competitive um, distinction. Although, of course, the math will be <laughs> confusing at best. Um, but I'd be I'd be generally curious about people's attitudes on neobanks because around the same time, also Daylight, Daylight announced its, um, right. its closing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting trend. Although, um, you know, the second half of this show today, we're, we're going to hear from Kakao Bank in um, South Korea. And, um, of course, they've done integration with Kakao Talk, and that's a key, um, you know, part of differentiation. And obviously, when we look at Tencent and WhatsApp with their integration on a fintech side, those platforms are, are showing some real promise there. So, there's something to that in terms of the conversational element for sure. Um, but let's um, let's uh, take a, a, a quick word here or get a quick uh, input from Alex Jimenez, who wasn't able to join the show today, but we had him chime in uh, remotely on what he thought um, were some of the trends and, and the best demo that he enjoyed at the show. Well, the Finnovate format has continued to evolve. The demos are still the center of the experience. For me, I was excited to see my friends at Finalytics AI continue to expand their personalization platform uh, that goes between the website into the authenticated experience. Uh, I was really excited to see San Francisco Fire Credit Union uh, talk about real results, which is always something that I look for in, in demos. Um, also, as a former head of digital for a bank, I really love the FinTech Insights platform. Uh, it's really difficult for a bank to compare their own digital banking experiences to those of their closest competitors. And this platform allows that uh, to happen. I really wish I had had that many years ago. Uh, and finally, the third demo I liked the most was the HyperSwitch uh, open source payment switch. It's a really great idea. Uh, I, I have many questions about how it works and, and, and how it uh, how we can scale, but it was very impressive to see uh, something like that. As far as trends, uh, there was lots of talk about generative AI, as you'd expect. Uh, I was really disappointed that I heard a lot of fintech people that are making some of the same claims that the general population are make, making about Chad GPT uh, and the so-called understanding of whatever topic. You know, that's not what large language models do. Uh, having said that, the trend really is the excitement about the possibilities of AI applications in financial services. Uh, so we'll see what that means in, in the coming months. Uh, the other trend that I saw was a lot of discussion about Gen Z uh, and how we can meet their needs and wants and how they're different from all the other uh, age cohorts. It really reminds me about the discussions we had about uh, millennials back in 2010 or so. One last thing about Finnovate, I was really impressed about the non-demo sessions, and not just because I had a speaking session myself, but the keynotes and the panel discussions were better than most of what I've seen in the past few years. So uh, coming back um, in respect to this, uh, tell, tell me guys about 
um, how people were feeling coming back to the conference and, you know, w- what do you think, given the disruptions that we had during the pandemic and then coming back to events like this, are people buoyed by this? Are they excited about coming back to conferences? Do you think that, um, you know, um, we certainly are still doing a, a ton of virtual stuff, but, um, you know, what are your feelings like Greg for, you know, in particular for the future of the Finnovate event series and, um, you know, uh, do you feel like it's coming back? Yeah, no, I think absolutely it is. And one of the things that we have as far as metrics, we can see how many people are creating meetings with each other through the event app. And the number of meetings that the average attendee is taking keeps going up and up. And I think, you know, when you walk through that networking space, you see a lot of the scheduled meetings and you also see a lot of the kind of impromptu, you know, I just happen to find you and shake your hand type of meeting as well. But there's clearly uh, a lot of interest going on in making this type of connection, this face-to-face connection. And, um, you know, I think the other piece that we've always really prided ourselves on, the, the format of the show leads uh, makes it very easy for attendees to find new companies and then go and connect with them. And I think when we were virtual, we saw people were interested in the demos. They wanted to see what the technology could do, but kind of closing the loop and making sure you actually connect with somebody from that company was a line that was difficult for a lot of attendees to cross. And I think in a virtual environment, sometimes you just don't want to turn on the camera. You don't want to turn right. on the microphone, you know, all those types of things. But the the buzz You're and the energy pajamas. of the event yeah. and the networking space was was excellent. So I think that's, that's the piece that really gives me a lot of optimism. And I I think we're seeing, again, more and more people really engaging and proactively going out there to find the people that they want to talk to. Um, Obviously, our job then is to facilitate that and to make sure that we're making it possible for people to find the right people. And I think um, our our app keeps getting better and better as well as we keep refining it. So um, those two pieces combined make for a really exciting show for us. And and I love seeing that meeting stat tick up. It's really satisfying Mm. because, you know, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. And then, you know, boom, when when the the green flag drops, uh, they really start getting into it. That's great. Well, you know, uh, of course, Jason Hendricks calls it the fintech petting zoo. But yeah. <laughs> um, um, but it, it it seems like there's real deals getting done now because as it's as there's maturation happening here, um, you know the banks that sort of waited. Obviously, the pandemic showed them that they you know that was a serious error in calculations. Those that hadn't digitized enough, and certainly with what's happening in terms of deposits and you know the stability of the U.S. institutions now. Everyone's looking for that edge. Everyone's looking at these new technologies to to leverage. But um, Deva, um, Mary, Theo, maybe we'll start with you, Deva. What about the networking side of it? Um, what did did you see any patterns there? What were the type of meetings that were going on on the ground? Uh, the folks who were meeting seemed serious about what they were going to do. Right? I mean, you definitely saw some high quality uh, interactions. Uh, you know, in the expo hall as well as you know after expo meetings and stuff like that. Uh, you definitely saw that the builders who were there were serious about what they were building. That's the one thing which really stood out for me, Brad, that, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, conferences used to have a lot of participants and not everyone had great quality products, right? So you had so many folks with similar kind of products, which can really tell, you know, you can differentiate between one versus the other from a value proposition. But I think what we saw here in this Finovate where, you know, People who weathered the storm, you know, people who are really serious about getting this product, you know, scaled up. So you definitely saw some good quality presentations out there as well as companies which really wanted to climb up 
you know to a to a good spot so overall in my experience i felt that this was definitely a great conference from a value add perspective i think i i left after meeting a quite a few good folks you know who had interesting things to offer and Mary, who are you networking with, and what was what was? Well, this uh, crew, <laughs> I'm networking. Yeah, of course. It's it's like just hanging out with your friends when you get to these events, right? Yeah, or like, oh no, let me duck and cover. You know, <laughs> that's which way it goes. But um, I think we all know I'm an excitable person. But you know, I I'm just, really yeah, I know. <laughs> just talking revelation of today's episode, but um. Yeah, for me, it's still a thrill to be back in person to see faces I haven't seen. And I like, I feel like, you know, you can get, uh, not this again. I'm doing this. I'm hopping on a flight to do this. But right now it's still like fun, you know. It's uh, energizing, but it is exhausting, right, Thea? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I have yeah. to like hide away for a couple of days. But um, the other thing I'll say, Greg, I don't know if this was a design thing or not, but like, um. And at Finnovate, the food, you know, there weren't so many tables. So it sort of like forced you into these standing tables, which made you have chitter chat with whoever's nearby. Um, I found myself having a lot of striking conversations early in the morning with them. Um, I wish I remembered her name. She said she's a controversial figure. So I'll have to, I'll have to refine her name. But um, I thought that was cool. Sort of was like a, a forced connection. What, what, Devin? Was it Tiffany Montes? <laughs> No, it's not controversial. I know. Her. I know her. <laughs> well, one thing I I, I want to congratulate you guys, Greg. I don't know if you did that by design. Was the layout because you cannot not walk past that hallway, and literally that's why I ended up for most of the time. If I'm not in session, I just stood there and I end up catching everyone that I need to, um, and people end up seeing me. So that was exhausting. Um, but uh, it's like it's like what you said, Brad. It's like family reunion, being able to see people again. Uh, something that uh, I think you know many of us took for granted. But I did like the format. I like the layout. Um, and Deva, to your point, I think there were a lot of people who were serious about building something. You know what else I see, which was surprising? I see more people in suits than I normally would in Finnovay Spring. Um, I don't know if it's because we see more banks. Um, being there now than this the is, previous this is ones. A, con- a very concerning trend. <laughs> <laughs> or formal did we change dress code? <laughs> right, exactly. Come but it's on. a lot of formal wear. Um, I, I mean, you know, Zuckerberg still turns up in sweatpants and black t-shirts, right? So I go to Aoba's event in January, Theo. You'll see full suits, eight a.m. I- I am surprised people still fit into the suits. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm still trying to lose my COVID weight. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, you know, one of the things I, I think when we we look at these these trends, what, what's interesting is I think we're, we're going to see a whole layer of new startups coming um, over the next few years that are AI powered, obviously. And... Um, you know, if you listen to people like Chamath from Social Capital and others, they talk about the fact that, um, you know, for a lot of these conventional companies, you know, going from minimal viable product to a, a, a launch, they were looking for 20 to $30 million to build that you know, minimal viable product product with the 30 or 40 staff to be able to actually get it out the door and, and get that traction. But today you could do the same job for, you know, with five people and an AI, 
you know, and then the funding requirements are less as well. So that could lower the barrier of entry for a lot of these startups to really um, do some interesting things, you know, potentially. But but before we uh, finish up, um, what what didn't you see at this year's event that you you thought you might see, or um, you know what do you what do you think is the telescoping or the messaging coming out of events like this in terms of where the fintech sector is going? So uh, the one thing which I did not see was all of these fintech ideas were more focused on selling to the banks and other institutions. But uh, I you know Bill Gates had said a few weeks ago that the age of personal AI or the agent AI has dawned, you know, we would start seeing personalized AIs, which will be running within the realm of a user's uh, space would be emerging pretty soon. And that would be a killer use case, right? What I didn't see was uh, companies specifically building out directly to consumers, like imagine a, a personalized AI uh, you know, which can actually look at all of your financial history and transactions and gives you guidance on how to run your everyday life from a financial point of view. You know, that would be a killer use case. I'm not sure how many companies out there are billing for a use case like that. So that was one of the big misses which I noticed there. And the second biggest miss for me was uh, not seeing Matt's hands because MX did not have a demo. You know, we really missed that. There hand. you go. Yeah, we miss Matt West's hands. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That is a striking absence. Um, so plus one on that. And, you know, I wasn't at the whole Finnovate, so this may have happened, but buy now, pay later. Um, I didn't hear enough against it, um, I would say, but um curious what everyone, the Klarna announced a pause on like if consumers want to pause, like the ability to take it out. I think it's Klarna, um, but had a call out to others and buy now pay later to do the same thing and i'm just curious if others will follow suit but i i i always want to let i want to hear more of the risk um of certain technologies at any conference i, I mean that that's a subject for an entire show really i mean yeah. a lot of people miss the fact that um when when you hear criticisms of buy now pay later um you you are missing the forest for the trees, right? Where you, it, this is a change in experience of access to credit, right? That it's a part of that progression, and we're moving away from things like personal loans and credit cards to much more contextualized experience of credit. And buy now pay later is just the start of that. And a lot of people don't get that. So when they they're like, oh, BMPL's done, you know, it's like, yeah, we're not even started on this stuff, but. Anyway, as I said, we could do a whole show of that, and I could go down the the uh, rabbit hole. the rabbit hole on that. But uh, um, Thea, what about yourself? Any, well, any feedback there? Yeah, I uh, I agree with the payments, and the one thing I did not hear too much about was the uh, Apple, which was surprising because you know the the news of Apple savings and all of that right. came out a couple of weeks ago, and you would have thought everyone would be all, you know, over it and say, you know, this is what we're planning to do. Oh my God, you know, what are we going to change? But apart from a little bit here and there, there wasn't much as, as if, okay, so what? Um, that was surprising because I I went through trying to open the account and if anything that was fascinating, that was it. And and the ease of use. I mean, it wasn't bad, but compared yeah. with um, Yui Bao, you know, on Alipay, it, it was still pretty clumsy. Oh, come on, but Brett. here's the thing is any bank, 
could have done that at any time in the last 10 years. I mean, yes. we had impulse savings for moving back in 20, we demoed it for the first time at, at, at Finnovate in 2015, which we won best of show for, right? So, um, we're to slide not that like, in, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not like, um, you know, uh, the, these sort of things couldn't have been done. And yet, um, you know, again, this is where I think the maturity of, of the US and European markets a little bit behind, you know, like what we're seeing still some pretty aggressive innovation in some of this stuff in markets like China and LATAM and so forth. But, well, listen, guys, we've run out of time. Um, we could obviously talk about this for another, you know, hour, um, but, uh, you know, we, we got to wrap it up. Um uh, just to, to to wrap it up, uh, what what is coming up in terms of the uh, Finnovate schedule uh, um, over the uh, the next couple of months, Greg? Yeah, so we got Finnovate and, Fall and on the is podcast the big side one. as well. Yeah, yeah, the podcast. I will be interviewing all the best of show winners from Finnovate Spring. So stay tuned for that over the next month or and a half. Uh, Finnovate Fall back in New York in September, and then the Finnovate Awards uh, are still going on. There will be a little bit of time for people to submit nominations after this episode airs. So do check that out, FinnovateAwards.com. Um, and of course, you know we'll be uh, quite active in the virtual arena as well. Check us out at Finnovate.com for all of the pieces which we'll be running over the next uh, for all for the remainder of 2023. Check it out at Finnovate.com. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Theo, you're going to be at Finnovate Fall. In fact, you're going to be doing a book signing for your new book. Tell us about your new book. Yes, thank you, Greg and Katie. Um, there is a new book coming out at Finnovate Fall. We will be unveiling it. It's called The Metaverse Economy. So stop by Finnovate Fall. Awesome. And um, Mary, how's uh, FinTech Uncut going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Uh I'd say we're a bunch of oddballs mocking the news of the week in fintech land. So that's still going strong. Um, drops on Fridays. Fantastic. Well, if you haven't checked it out, uh, check that out as well. Another one of uh, our uh, OGs of fintech, Chris Skinner, of course, frequents that. Uh, so um, that's great. And uh, Deva, anything from your side to look forward to? Or how does pe- how do people stay in, stu- in, in, uh, in touch with what you're working on? He's back to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Twitter. I'm active at Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, you could find on, me on July 4, right? Is that the right. Twitter on July 4. <laughs> there you go. Great. Glad I remembered that. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, joining us today on Breaking ba- the our combined Breaking Banks and official Finnovate podcast uh, session today um, segment. Um, and uh, stay well and, um, you know, uh, don't be a stranger, as they say. Don't wait for the next conference to say hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful day. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, you're going to hear from Daniel Yoon, the CEO of one of the most successful challenger banks in the Asia region, Kakao Bank. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Alloy Labs. As much as we love talking on the show, We believe that action is more valuable than talk. Alloy Labs is the industry leader in helping fearless bankers drive exponential growth through collaboration, exclusive partnerships, and powerful network effects that give them an unfair advantage. Learn more at AlloyLabs.com. Alloy Labs. Banking Unbound. Unbound. 
So uh, we are. Uh, I'm on the ground in South Korea in Seoul today. Um, mm-hmm. We had an interesting uh, morning, starting with the uh, North Korean sending a satellite up and, and being <laughs> missile warnings. But I'm here with Daniel Yoon, who's the uh, CEO and founder of uh, Kakao Bank, um, which, of course, is the most successful challenger bank in uh, in South Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the most successful globally mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of growth. But in the West, we don't hear a lot about uh, Kakao and uh, mm-hmm. Kakao Bank uh, in, in uh, general. Um, but you had a very successful launch back in 2017, was it? 2017, end of July. We launched our business in that time. Yes. And uh, you uh, had a phenomenal uh, um, response. You had over a million uh, people sign up for mm. Kakao Bank accounts in the first few days mm. of uh, operation. And now you uh, have over you have over twenty six million uh, customers to date. But tell me a bit about how Cacao Bank got started. Obviously, we now we know of Cacao as a, a, a platform, as a super app uh, here in mm-hmm. Korea. But when did the idea for the bank uh, get started? Yeah, uh, in the t- two thousand fourteen, there were a uh, new license issue in Korea over bank, so. Uh, the that time our government are the planning to give some new license of a bank to the market because for the last twenty six years there have not been new bank license right. in Korea, so uh, that means there have not been fierce competition on the on the bank industry, so they want to release a new one, so. Uh, I got the that uh, issue from the government people. Then I issuizing this agenda to the cacao. So, but at that time, the most of cacao people are against my opinion because uh, they doing their own the fintech company right. under the cacao pay right. to the fintech company. They, but they thought, oh, uh, what if we have bank license? That means we have to keep the regulations, right? How can we disruptive the uh, approach to the, uh, the financial market with license? I can understand that. Yeah. And, and very interesting. Yeah. But yeah. IT guys' perspective, I can understand their opinion. Yeah. But I persuade them, you know, in the world, always if we want to run the bank business. That means we have to get the license. Yes. No license, no business in the world. So you guys, Kakao, we wanna do some do different things uh, with innovations uh, under the uh, finance sector. That means we need a license. Yes. I, I persuade them their time. So, uh, but their time, you know, uh, I have to persuade them, but uh, I didn't have many resources from the uh, cacao, so I was uh, one team leader. Yes, uh, under the uh, mobile bank team, ah, I see. task force tips, and then I hire only four people from the market and of uh, cacao. Then I got the license with only four people. Wow, <laughs> uh, that's some, that's lean startup. <laughs> yeah, lean startup. Yeah, <laughs> but I have. 
a lot of uh, good partners, the company partners, mm. uh, such as uh, the KIH, uh, uh, Korea Invest uh, the Holding Company. Yes. And, uh, they were uh, our good partners when right. we set up the uh, Kakao Bank. So Kakao Bank was joint venture uh, with the Kakao and KIH. I see. Yeah, this is uh, the one of the biggest successful factor to, to uh, do the business because you know the banking industry based on the license. So we have to understand the protocol of uh, the banking people uh, with the regulation and regulatory. And what's your background? Uh, my background is that half of IT guys, half of uh, uh, the finance guy, uh, I started my Similar job. to me, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yes, yeah, so right, oh, you're right. Yeah. And then I start uh, my uh, the business uh, with the insurance. I see. And then after that, I uh, moved to the town communication, which is the number one uh, IT company in Korea at that time. And So like uh, WeBank in uh, Shenzhen, which we were mm. talking about, mm. WeBank was able to use the Tencent uh, relationship mm. to accelerate their growth. Cacao's been very important, um, you know, for mm. for your growth. Um, but having said that, um, uh, why was this the right time for a new type of bank in Korea? Do you think? Mm. You know, um, because as you said, twenty six years without a new bank, um, and what inspired you? Uh, was it seeing other challenger banks around the world, or what gave you that first idea for for the bank? Okay, very good questions to me. You know, in Korea, the Korean people are very disaster savvy people. Yes, okay. uh, their standard is very high yeah. compared to the other other uh, countries. Yeah, so like Korea is always led on the internet, uh, for example. Yes, yes, yes. yes. but uh, in two thousand. The 14, 2015, uh, I saw this uh, banking industry and the financial industries a little bit not fancy to the people who are uh, data savvy. You know, well, at that time, uh, Korean people, you know, Korean people enjoying the high level of application, such as uh, a neighbor, Kakaoto, or some other the game, um, game on um, mobile game, right? But compared to that, like Daum and so forth. Yeah, that 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 now. And compared to that, when our users uh, experience the uh, bank application or other the financial piece, right? This is a little bit not fancy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes some say it's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Even though they are selling the product product uh, through the mobile, so there are big uh. A differentiation and huge gap between the high-end application and the uh, banking application. So this is was big chance to me. Yes. If we launched the uh, the bank application with high technology, then we can be successful. Now you're one of the biggest lenders in uh, South Korea today yeah. mm-hmm. for Kakao Bank. Uh, in fact, I think the largest by uh, uh, market uh, size. Um, but um, deposits and these sort of things are a focus of attention Mm. on the world today. How has that engagement layer, Mm. uh, you know, the the design elements of the app that you've created, 
made it easier for people to manage their money through the mm, app. Mm, mm. Yeah, two things. The one thing is that oh, we are native web. Right. Uh, uh, that means we have high technology to make our, our own application uh, with some high-end uh, uh, engineers. Yes. So that means convenience is very convenient from, uh, in terms of uh, UX and UI. The second thing is that we have high talented people who have ability to redesign the financial product from the scratch. Yes. So then that means uh, other competitors are selling the product. But uh, from the scratch, we, we only focus to solve the problem. Right. When our uh, users experience some other the banking application. So the the it's fair to say that the the design of mm. the app and the effort you put into UX has mm. been significant. Like that's it must represent a large portion of your team. Yeah? Yes, right. Um, and so uh, in those early days, um, when you were starting, how did you envisage uh, the the bank working, and and what was your view your vision for mm. the app? Mm. You know, uh, we always think about user centric on the uh, the the way of thinking. So we only consider this service and this product will be attractive to our users. Only we think about the only users. Every employees I think about the always users. So that means we wanna give some differentiated uh, the product we call redesign uh, the banking product. So we have a signature, uh, we have a signature of uh, the Kakao Bank product, such as 26 instrument product and and group account. Uh, those are mm. very unique and one and only yeah. the product among the old uh, Korea and the banks. So, so the group account is not just family members? You can have- Not only family member, Oh, oh, but also the friends, right, right, and friends, and or some certain, uh, the community, and some or interesting, yeah, and the couple, right, yes, when they just start to the, uh, to, to become the couple, then they save the uh, equal money to do yes. the one deposit, and you know, this was uh, for moving. This was one of the things that we most got requested was a joint account. Mm, join your um, account, yes. Particularly because we have the we had the financial wellness and budgeting, mm. you know, uh, financial behavior tools, mm. and people wanted to manage the household budget through mm. the app. Yeah, gave yes, them yes. more visibility. Yes, 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 you yes, know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Um, Obviously, Korea has had some, you know, they, they've been a, a advanced in many of the web-based technologies. Um, we have, of course, Samsung and, and uh, you know, uh, other players here that have really, you know, um, been um, leaders mm. in uh, smartphone technology. But two things are happening right now. Apple is about to launch their smart glasses developer kit on June 5th. Mm -hmm. And we see more use of artificial intelligence in, you know, for voice interactions and and so forth, and obviously the large language models. Um, how do you think this is going to change banking? And and you know, what are your plans for Kakao Bank? 
Yes, very good question to ask, you know, especially on the transition period now, the tech uh, drag the, the industry now. Uh, so we always think about when we face this issue, accessibility. Hmm. Who gonna hold accessibility? And this is a very uh, critical issue to every companies. Yes. Uh, who deal, deal dealing with the, the customer, retail, special retail customer. So we always ready to uh, give our accessibility to new player, such as Apple. You mentioned the the, yes. the, the and and this glasses yeah. uh, and or some other artificial intelligence devices. So that means we prepared technology to access uh, our the, uh, own technology to uh, some other the big tech companies. You know? I understand. Yeah. We just accept them. Yes. We so you're, leverage uh, them. Yeah. You're technology agnostic. You'll use whatever yeah, right, right. Yeah, works yeah, for you. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm interested, um, you know, how, is it, how has the success of the bank mm changed your relationship with cacao what has it meant for cacao more broadly in terms of cacao talk and mm. the, the taxi business and so forth okay yeah we have a different story compared to the uh wechat and we bank you mentioned because wechat they are a software yes to contain every service on one app yes but cacao bank we are independent different app we don't have any links to cacao talk. Okay, just the brand. It's just brand. I see. Some of the cacao friends characters, this is I cacao IP, that means we have to survive by themselves. Yes. Uh, this is critical issues in the beginning, but that means uh, we think about context, you know. Uh, our users, if our users have some contact with cacao to through context of the communication, not a bank, not a money. So we want to separate this context right. from the cacao talk communication. So as you know, 99% of Korea people are using the cacao talk. Right, right. But that means uh, they every day use cacao talk uh, for communication. Yes. Not a money, not a bank. Right. So we just set up the independent in application then to give some different experience to our users, you know, only with a cacao uh, brand. I understand. Mm. So um, give us an update on the progress. Uh, your bank has been profitable since early on, um, which as a challenger bank, uh, you were one of the first challenger banks mm. that were profitable globally. Um, we now hear of New Bank and Starling, and, and of course WeBank is profitable, but you were probably... You and WeBank, I'm not sure which was first, but uh, you, you've done very well with that because a lot of the traditional bankers mm. have been saying, oh, these uh, challenger banks can't be profitable. <laughs> yeah. But you're an example of, yes. of extreme profitability. Yeah. You're very profitable. So give us a little bit of an update on, on where is uh, Cacao Bank now and what are your plans over the next few years? Yes, yes. You know, we have a two different types of monetization model. The one is... Uh, license that means we can sell loan product right 
that means we can leverage the NIMBY DNS. Yes. So you should be profitable yes. when, when we are selling the loan product. Yeah? Uh, so the one is... Uh, so lending is very important. For yeah, you. lending is uh, a yeah. pipeline uh, to be profitable uh, now. The second thing is a, a platform business. You know, even though we have our own uh, lending product, we selling the other company's product on Kakao Bank hmm. uh, application because you know we only consider user interfaces. Whenever our users invite Kakao Bank app, they like to see other. 20 or 30 companies of a product of a lending on one page. Mm. So that's why we're selling the other companies, other banks, other credit card loan product on a contract application. Interesting. Yeah. So you've become a bit of an aggregator also. Yes, right. Or And, marketplace. Yeah. Oh, yeah, marketplace. Mm. And then we call platform business. Right, exactly. Yeah, we want to be platform. Yeah. It's in the near future. We want to be became, become number one retail bank and platform to sell every financial product on Kakao Bank application, even though we don't have any that kind of uh, the product and license. Uh, even though we have a credit card, we don't have a credit card license. Right. We are selling the credit, car, credit card uh, with some other credit card company partners. Right. Yes. And so um, the lending uh, business that you have, the, what's the average loan size? Is it quite small? Oh, uh, no. Uh, we have uh, two uh, the categories of uh, lending products. One is the uh, unsecured loan product. Right. And then we call the credit loan. Yes. Uh, the, uh, for new one, our market share is over uh, 10%. Right. Of, uh, then we just launched a... Uh, uh, The mortgage loan last years. Ah, yes. And since that, we now we have secured the uh, around the five percent of market share now. There. Congratulations! That's yeah, a fantastic that's, performance. Well, Daniel, uh, thank you for sharing us an update with uh, of Cacao Bank. Mm -hmm. um, as a as a, a, a neo bank founder myself, mm -hmm. um, uh, I know how hard it is mm -hmm. to to do what you've done. And um, on behalf of all of the fintech people around the world who are struggling mm. uh, to to make success, to see the success that you've had is is fantastic for us, uh, and we can celebrate the fact that um, mm. you showed the world uh, how a mm. Korean startup can succeed in this uh, in this space. So, mm. congratulations and thank you for your time today. And and thank you for inviting me. And then uh, so I want to say hello to. You're a big fan on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. And uh, how can people find out more about Cacao Bank if they're offshore, mm -hmm. outside of uh, Korea? Oh, it's, it's, it's a different, different type of world. Many people are there enjoying that one. Very good. Thank you very much, Daniel. Okay, thank you. That's it for another week of the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. This episode was produced by our US-based production team, including producer Lisbeth Severins, audio engineer Kevin Hersham, with social media support from Carlo Navarra and Sylvie Johnson. 
If you like this episode, don't forget to tweet it out or post it on your favorite social media. We'll leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever it is that you listen to our show. Those actions help other people find our podcast, and in return, that helps us build an audience that can be supported by sponsorship so we can continue to provide you with our award-winning content every week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on Breaking Banks next week.